Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by Lead Pastor Dave Ferguson as we kick off the series, This is the Way. If you're new, we'd love to learn your name. Simply text CONNECT to 630-793-6399 and we'll send you more information about community. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Hello, community. Um, I just want to say congratulations, and also just thank you so much for an amazing celebration generosity. Um, I'm so proud of you, and I'm just, I'm honored to really be a part of our community. Last week, you already heard this, but again, let's just celebrate that. The largest offering of the year. We're giving it away to those three teams, great causes, both locally and globally. And I'll tell you, if you're with somebody to celebrate, you know, give them a high five, give them a fist bump or a hug, whatever's appropriate. If you're by yourself, come on, give me a virtual fist bump. Here we go, right there. That's right. Good job. Seriously, good, good, good stuff. Well, um, we are nine days away from the election. Just nine days. And maybe me just saying that kind of makes your blood pressure rise. I feel like just this whole political season has been just kind of exhausting. Uh, I mean, just taking in the news, whether you're a Republican or Democrat or straight down the middle, I mean, it's just kind of, it leaves you tired, cynical, and just kind of confused. Because on the one hand, I mean, you got, right, Joe Biden saying, hey, this is the way. And the other hand, you got Donald Trump saying, this is the way. And then you got both opposing news outlets mocking both of them and saying, no way, right? And what it leaves us with is this kind of divided country, uh, communities being torn apart, and even families that are feeling the tension and the pull in different directions. So I'll tell you what, I have an idea. I got an idea I want to bounce off of you. And here, here's my suggestion. Don't put anything in the chat. Just work with me on this one, okay? What if... What if instead we tried a monarchy? I've been doing some research on this, okay? I've been doing some research, and one of the things I found out, actually a few things I found out about a monarchy, there's some benefits, some real advantages to having a king or a queen. One is a monarchy actually tends to unite people, more so. We definitely need that, am I right? Second thing, also monarchies are are less expensive. I was surprised to read that. Think about this, we just spent... $10 $10 billion, or we're in the process of spending $10 billion on this election for 8 million ads or show up my social media feed or on my TV screen. I could do without that. The third thing they also says is that monarchies tend to create leaders of better moral fiber and character, which I was a little surprised about. Maybe it's because, you know, they don't have to fight or lie to keep or gain power. I don't know. How about it? Maybe, maybe a monarchy. Now, now there is one huge, huge, huge kind of uh, glaring problem with monarchy, and that's this. We got to find the just right person to be the king or queen. I mean, what you need is you need somebody of impeccable character. You need somebody who has a benevolent heart. You need somebody who has trustworthy wisdom if they're going to be a king, right? What do you think about that? A king with a kingdom. 
And what I want you to do is I want you to hold on to that thought. Okay, we're going to circle all the way back to that. Um, because the early Christians, the early Christians actually bought into this idea of there being a king and a kingdom that they were a part of. And because of that, those early Christians, those early Christ followers, they lived in such a countercultural way that everyone around them began to notice that there was something different about them. In fact, they even noticed that it was like their, their citizenship was not of this world. There was a letter, a very famous letter, called the Letter to Diognetus. And the letter was actually written to a person in great power because they were curious about these Christ followers, these Christians that were, they were this emerging movement. They said, explain to me, who are they? What are they about? They seem different. And, and here's just a small part of that letter. It says this, it says, these Christians, it's true they're in the flesh, but they do not live according to the flesh. I mean, really, they were, they were people of great morality, uh, integrity. They busy themselves on earth, but their citizenship is in heaven. They weren't aligned with a political party. They weren't primarily about a certain tribe. Their loyalty was to Christ. They obey the established laws, but in their own lives, they go far beyond what the laws require. The Christians back then were particularly known for, for taking in those who were on the margins, particularly caring for children. <clears throat> It goes on and says, they love all men and all my, by all men are persecuted. They are reviled and yet they bless. And, and, and not only this, this Diognetus, but others begin to notice this, that the whole world was like going this way. And like this group of Christians, this community of men and women, they were going this way, a different way. And wherever they went, it was good. They actually created goodness, like social capital. Good things happened in their neighborhoods and their communities. It flourished. So much so, the distinction between the rest of the world going this way and this community of Christ followers going this way, that they got a nickname. The world began to call them the people of the way. The people of the way. And in fact, if you look here in Acts, just look at the pink here. The way, the way, the way. They were called the people of the way. And the way became this new way of doing life. And what we're going to do for the next several weeks, we're going to start a brand new series called This Is The Way. And we're going to discover together, I'm so excited about this, discover together what it looks like for us here in 2020 to be like those people of the way. And my hope is to create tremendous goodness and show the rest of the world who begins to observe like, wow, they're going a different direction. They're going that way and it's good. Now, to kind of set a foundation for who these people of the way were. The way was, was not primarily um, a way of living. The way was actually a person. These words might sound familiar. When Jesus came, he declared this in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And the common denominator amongst the people of the way was they had an allegiance. All right, I want, to, I want you to hang on to that word. We're gonna come back to the important word. They had an allegiance, an allegiance to Jesus as the way. They would go whichever way he wanted. They would do whatever he wanted. And as they lived that way, it created goodness in their neighborhood, in their community. It flourished. This goodness that it created as they went this way, another word for that goodness is the word gospel. Okay? For that goodness that they created was gospel. Now, before we go any further, let's just pause for a little bit. And I want to ask you the question, do you know what it means when I say gospel? 
What's the gospel? And it's very important that we understand the gospel because the gospel is what made the people of the way a force for great good. Without the gospel, you don't have this force for great good. You have to understand the gospel. And I know, okay, because I am one of these, that a lot of us who are longtime Christians, we kind of go like, yeah, I know the gospel. But then when I ask to explain it, we go like, ah, I don't know. What would you say? Well, I'll tell you what, let's do this. Maybe a story will help. Um, I grew up in church. And uh, even though I grew up in church, I don't think it was until probably as my freshman year in college, I was probably around 19, that I really began to buy into this, that Jesus was the way. And, and in following his way, it was good for me. It was good for the world. It was kind of this gospel. I began to kind of get that. And I wanted to share this good news with everybody else. So I remember my, uh, my college roommate, Scott and I, were freshmen in, in, in college, um, we applied for uh, a scholarship to the Billy Graham School of Evangelism. Now, some of you are going like, oh, that's really weird. Why would you do that? And others of you are going like, oh, that's cool. Well, ignore it. I just did it, okay? We applied because we wanted to learn how to share our faith, this good news. So we applied for the scholarship to the Billy Graham School of Evangelism. We received the scholarship. And the scholarship essentially meant that we got an all-expense-paid trip to, are you ready for this? Oklahoma City. Okay, not Newport Beach, not New York, but when you're in college, you get a few days to skip class. I was like, I'm in, I'm in. So they paid for us to go to Oklahoma City. We go to Oklahoma City. In the evening, they have this Billy Graham crusade where they have thousands of people show up, but during the day, they're gonna train us in how to share our faith. So we're doing that. Here's how they kind of trained us, basically how they trained us. They said this, and they did it in symbols. Starts like this. Um, God loves me. He loves me. He wants to have a relationship with me. But what happened is I sinned, and in my sinning, I fractured my relationship with God. So Jesus shows up, dies on the cross, and forgives my sins. He forgives my sins. And in forgiving my sins, he restores my relationship with God. I find my way back to God. All right? Now, I don't think they actually ever said this. But I remember looking at this and going like, okay, well, there you have it. Let's put all the four. There you go. That's the gospel. How about you? Did you think that was the gospel? I thought, no, that's the gospel. So after three days of training, Scott and I were on our way back from Oklahoma City to Missouri, where I was going to college, totally fired up, ready to change the world, want to share our faith with other people. And I'm on Route 44 in my rusted out cocoa brown Toyota Corona, terrible car. Um, And we're driving and we see a hitchhiker. We see this hitchhiker, and I remember Scott's driving, and I tell him, hey, Scott, pull over. He's like, what? I said, no, pull over. Let's give this guy a ride. What? I said, hey, we could, we could try out all this stuff we learned. And so we pull over. The guy, okay, gets in the back seat. We're in the front seat. Our victim, I mean our new friend, gets in the back seat. We learn that his name is George. George gets in the back seat. We got a six-hour drive. This is the first person since being trained by the Billy Graham School of Evangelism that we've met who's far from God. And so for the next six hours, we are just peppering him, rather maybe hammering him with everything that we've learned. In the process, George, this guy, he confides in us that he doesn't have a job. He doesn't have a place that he calls home. Uh, Has very few friends, doesn't really understand who God is and acknowledges, yeah, I don't really have a relationship with God. And so we began to explain to him, right, all the benefits, all the benefits of just saying yes to Jesus, 
that you can receive forgiveness of sins, that, that you'll have this forever family called the church, that, that you'll live forever. And we said, George, you just have to say yes. You just have to acknowledge Jesus. Before we get back to our college, and that's during that six-hour drive, George says yes to Jesus. And I mean, Scott and I are so pumped. We are so excited. I mean, this is, this is just like the New Testament, right? This is just like the people of the way we're thinking to ourselves, right? So we get back to school. George needs a place to stay. He needs a little help getting back on his feet. And I remember talking to our uh, resident assistant. The resident assistant said, yeah, you know what? We'll let him stay in the dorm for a little while until we figure something out. I go to the cafeteria. The cafeteria gives him, gives him a week free of meals. I mean, Scott and I are high-fiving. You know, this is great. This is awesome. This is just what, you know, was happening in the early days of the church. We're celebrating until, until, and this is where things go south. Um, Two days later, George steals $150 from my roommate, hijacks another guy in our dorm's car, takes off with all of that, and we never see him again. And you're thinking, okay, this is not a very good pastor story, right? Okay, so what happened? What happened? Because he said yes to Jesus, right? He acknowledged Jesus. What happened? Why didn't it take? What was the problem? I think part of the problem, part of the problem, was that George said yes was not the complete gospel. Yes, forgiveness and yes, forever are part of the gospel, but that's not the complete gospel. I think what George said yes to is what our friend Scott McKnight and theologian Scott McKnight, he calls it the, what he said yes to was the abbreviated gospel. Stick with me on this, the abbreviated gospel. This is really, really important. And, and see, the truth is, this is not really just a story about George. If we actually do some homework on what's happening in the United States right now, 75% of the population would tell you that at some point in time, they've said yes to Jesus. They might be from a Catholic background. They might be from a Protestant background. They might be from a non-denominational background. But 75% of the population on a survey would say, at some point, yeah, I said yes, I acknowledge Jesus. But when we do a little more deeping, a little more digging rather, only 20% at the highest and probably more realistic, about 6% of the population actually live out the characteristics, the values of what it means to be the people of the way. The people of the way, only 6%. So what happened? Could it be that a whole lot of us, a whole lot of us, not just George, but a whole lot of us have said yes to kind of this abbreviated gospel? One that, if we think about it, primarily focuses on the benefits for me or for you or the, the, what, how we benefit. Another theologian we've been looking into and have a high regard for, a guy named Michael Bates, he, he writes these words and he says this, the plot and the abbreviated gospel, it's self-centered. I have a problem. I'm currently on the road to perdition, which means I'm going to hell. Okay, that's not a good thing. We don't want that, right? I remember being scared of that when I was a kid. But Jesus died for my sins, so I, now I have the opportunity just by saying yes, just by acknowledging to change roads and go to heaven. And so the abbreviated gospel, what it does is it puts me right at the center of the story. And here's the danger. Okay, when I'm at the center of the story, what happens when the benefits are not greater than the costs? What happens when the benefits are not greater than the costs? What happens when all of a sudden you go through a season in your life 
where, you know what, it's just weird. God feels distant. What happens then? What happens when you go through a time in your life where it's like you, you don't know your own purpose? What, what, what happens when your small group falls apart or your church disappoints you? What happens then? Or, 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 or let's get even more specific, like to today. What happens when it feels like God lets somebody in your family get the virus? Or what happens when you're one of the folks that loses your job or gets laid off? Or what's going to happen if your guy doesn't win the election? Let's face it. I mean, life is full of, of hard things. And Jesus even says, in this world, you're going to have troubles. And, and if the gospel is just focused on me and things don't pan out the way I want them to, I can begin to question, okay, this gospel that's supposed to be the same word as goodness, is it really good? And so let me just ask you, have you, maybe if you bought into that, did you ever question the, the gospel benefits? Like they didn't live up to your expectations. Maybe you're feeling like, that, feeling like that right now. So here's the question for you. Would you be willing to consider the possibility that what you really need, what you really need is the complete, the complete gospel? Because the complete gospel, I think Paul gives us a glimpse of this in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And he says this. He says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of, there it is, the gospel. And, and, and he says, I preached it to you. It's the gospel that I received from Jesus, okay, which, I've t- which, which you have now uh, taken your stand on. And what I received, I passed on to you. It's, it's a, and here's the things that are of first importance. Here's what's really important about the gospel. That Christ died for our sins, according to scripture. That Christ was buried. That Christ was raised on the third day, according to scripture. And that Christ appeared to Cephas, that's Peter there, and then to the twelve. And what I recognize in Paul's writing here is, guess what? I am not, Dave Ferguson's not at the center of this story. I, 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 it's for me, but I'm not at the center of it. Who is at the center of the story here? It's not me or you, it's Christ, it's Jesus. Jesus is at the center of the story. And in some ways, if we were to put together kind of a summary of the complete gospel, based on what Paul says here and really other places throughout the New Testament, I think, I think it would probably be something like this. It starts with this kind of an understanding, this kind of a paradigm shift in our thinking. And then it goes, Jesus pre-existed with the Father. From all, from all of eternity, when there was no time, he existed. Then Jesus took on human flesh. It's called the incarnation. He came to earth for us. Then Jesus lived this perfect life, right? He served, he did miracles. He modeled how life was supposed to be lived in, with goodness, showed us how to do it. Then he died for our sins. That's how much he loved us. But he didn't stay dead. It goes on and says he rose from the dead. He appeared to 500 witnesses who verified this was true. But here, this is also important to the gospel, the complete gospel. Jesus then ascended to heaven as king. He's seated on the right hand where he has this kingdom. And one day, King Jesus is going to come again. I would say there is the gospel, the complete gospel. And, and as theologian, again, Scott McKnight, he puts, it, he puts it this way. He says, the gospel is the power-releasing story of how Jesus became king. So if someone asks you, okay, explain to me the gospel, you say, okay, here it is, real short. It's the story of Jesus becoming king. And I would even personalize the story of Jesus becoming my king. But that's what it is, it's the story. And once we recognize that Jesus is king, that all of us have to respond. Okay, if he's king, how do I respond to a king? 
And you kind of have a choice. You can kind of just through acknowledgement, like, yeah, he's king, yes. Or allegiance, which is a far deeper kind of commitment. Acknowledgements or allegiance. The, the original language in which the Bible was written, it's called Koine Greek, but the, the word faith in, in, in the original language is this word right here, pistis. That's faith. And we understand the definition of faith. Actually, it's, it's, it's a culmination of several words, belief, fidelity, commitment, and pledged loyalty. Now, if we want, when we ask, okay, what does it mean for us to put our faith in Jesus? We could say belief, right? It's just to acknowledge him. It is that. But to say it's only that is incomplete. To just say yes and acknowledge is incomplete. It's not the full gospel. The full thing is fidelity, commitment, and pledged loyalty. And I think the best word that captures it is allegiance. And I think all of us have to kind of decide, what is it going to be for us? When it comes to Jesus as king, are we just kind of acknowledging, yeah, he's king? Or are we pledging our allegiance that he is my king and I want to be a part of establishing his kingdom? And when we say yes to that allegiance, see, that is good news. That is good news right here, right now, particularly in this present moment. And here's why. Let me get, just get really real. Some of us, we are freaking out that Donald Trump is going to get four more years. Others of us, we are scared to death that Joe Biden is going to get in there. And I think here's part of the problem. I just want to keep it real with you. I think part of the problem is that some of us, we have a greater allegiance to those two guys than we do to King Jesus. That's why we're so scared. That we have a greater allegiance maybe to a political party than we do this king and his kingdom. And here's the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel, when we understand Jesus is king and he has a kingdom, is this, that no matter what happens in this election week, as Christ followers, guess what? We're a part of a monarchy. <laughs> we have a king. If Joe Biden gets elected, <clears throat> guess what? Our king is still on the throne and Jesus reigns. Donald Trump gets elected, our king is still on the throne and Jesus reigns. And Jesus, he was king before them. And here's the news, Jesus is gonna be king way after them as well. Now, don't misunderstand me. As your pastor and a person who provides leadership for you, yes, 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 we need to participate in the democratic republic. Go out and vote. Vote for the leader you think, okay, will provide the best leadership. But make no mistake, he's not your king. And your primary citizenship, this makes a whole big difference in how you feel about things, how you think about things. Your primary citizenship is you're a part of God's kingdom, even before you're an American. And our king, okay, just so you remember, our king preexisted with the Father, took on human flesh, lived with us, died for us, rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, established there as king, and that king is gonna one day come again. And the king that will one day come again, he will reign forever. And this is good news. It was good news before next Tuesday. It's gonna be good news after next Tuesday. And here's, here's why I'm so excited about the next several weeks. And I want you to be a part of, every week that we're doing this series called This is the Way. Because we're gonna learn how to live as a part of a monarchy, just like the people of the way did. And see, Jesus came and he taught, 
And there's a particular chunk of scripture. It's in the first gospel called Matthew, Matthew uh, 5, 6, and 7, called the Sermon on the Mount, where he lays out, here's what it looks like if you make me king in our kingdom, how we can usher in goodness wherever we go, the gospel wherever we go, and you want to be a part of it. And, I, and here's, here's one of the things we're doing as a part of this series. We're going to do a turn-the-page Bible experience. I'm going to do this every day. You want to be a part of it, go to communitychristian.info communitychristian.info. I want you to sign up for this. It'll supplement uh, any kind of Bible reading. Even if you haven't been doing Bible reading, I'm telling you, you want to do it. It has podcasts, all kinds of great things that are part of it. It's a part of this great series called People of the Way. You want to do that. All right, let me wrap this up. Here's what I'm asking you. How are you going to respond to what you now understand is the complete gospel? I'm asking every one of you, Don't just acknowledge, yeah, Jesus is king. Don't just say yes, but pledge your allegiance. Pledge your allegiance. In the Bible, these people of the way, when they pledged their allegiance, when they pledged their allegiance to Jesus, there there was something that they did, and it was called baptism. And baptism was this moment in time where they said, okay, this is how I declare my citizenship, my loyalty, my fidelity. And if you've never been baptized, or if you were baptized and it really wasn't a pledge of allegiance to Jesus, I would encourage you to do that. Go to communitychristian.info. We can set things up for you. We're going to have an online baptism class you can be a part of so you can understand more about that. Um, All our facilities across Chicagoland are open for you to be baptized. We've been baptizing. Lots of people, we'd love to do that for you. If you're not in the Chicagoland area, we'll arrange for it. Uh, we had a, a woman a couple weeks ago who we baptized over Zoom. <laughs> we baptized over Zoom in New York. We'd love to do that for you too. But go to communitychristian.info and we'd love to make arrangements so you can be baptized. All right? Now for all of us, all of us. Maybe today you realized, you know what? I think I kind of wanted the benefit package more than I wanted a king. Or may, maybe today you realize, you know what? I hate to admit, I think you're right. I think I have greater allegiance to to Biden or Trump than I do Jesus. Let me just tell you again. I'm telling you, no matter what happens, they're going to let you down. They're going to let you down and they're going to come and they're going to go. And the king, the king, he will not let you go. He will not let you down. And he will reign forever. And here's where we're going big picture as the people of the way. We have this opportunity to bring the goodness of the gospel to the entire world if we pledge our allegiance to Jesus as King.